Hi there, and welcome to episode 197 of the Ski Podcast. Thanks for joining us, listener. Today, we're going to be sharing tips for taking a ski holiday with your kids, taking a close look at the cost of ski carriage, and finding out about the latest equipment trends. My name is Ian Martin. I'd like to introduce my guest today. This is one of those rare occasions when we have three guests. So firstly, for her second time on the show, I think, I'm delighted to welcome back Katya Gaskell. Hi, Katya. How are you? Hi, Ian. I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me back. The last time you were on the show was episode 167, when you were swimming in frozen lakes in the mountains. Done any of that recently? I have been, actually. It was about a year ago, and it was yeah the Ice Swimming Championships in Samoa. And following that, I have been going to Hampstead Ponds every week through the winter. So, uh, yeah, down to about five degrees at the moment. Wow. Okay, that is good. I got in the sea here in Brighton yesterday and it's nine degrees. So that sounds, you know, positively tropical compared with that. Also joining us today, I think it's his fourth appearance on the show. Last time he was on, he was helping us get the most out of action cameras in episode 171. We have Chris Moran. Hi, Chris. How are you? Hey, Ian. Oh, good. Where are you today? Uh, Brighton today. Yeah, you're in Brighton today. Sometimes I speak to you, you're in Courcheval, and today you're in Brighton. I can see outside it's a beautiful day. Have you been getting in the sea at all recently? Uh, I was in a few days ago, um, but with a wetsuit and surfing, so I don't think that really counts as cheating. Is... <laughs> I like it when it's flat so I can swim. You like it when it's bumpy so you can surf. <laughs> Finally, uh, it's so good to welcome back our equipment expert, Al Morgan. He was actually on our last published episode, which is all about ski helmets and goggles. I can highly recommend this series of podcasts that we've done. I've learned so much about equipment over the last four episodes. Hi, Al. Lovely to see you again. Hello, Ian. Good morning. I'm uh, at a trade show and it's a bit noisy, so hopefully you can hear me okay. Yeah, I can hear you brilliantly. Uh, well, we're going to come on to that trade show shortly. But firstly, a question I always like to uh, ask my guests. Uh, when did you ski or snowboard last, Katia? So I just got back from a week in the French Alps. I was in Vosgenie for a few days, which was my first time skiing in Alpe d'Huez. And then I was in Morzine over Christmas, which was delightful. Okay, excellent. Well, we'll be talking about uh, Morzine in more detail a little later on. What about yourself, Chris? I'm guessing your last time I snow was probably in Courcheval, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, when would that have been? Last last weekend, I think it was. Um, and how were conditions? Yeah, amazing. I mean, Christmas was a bit rainy, but then just on New Year's Eve, it started absolutely dumping. And since then, it's been because um, we've had November and then December was a little bit disappointing because there was some hot weather but now it's uh it's all back but i'm actually off to japan tomorrow so yeah makes all feel jealous <laughs> sorry about that yeah uh, yeah well have a brilliant time over there um al i know you're not going to japan next week but you are going to the alps next week aren't you well that will be your next uh, taster of snow right yeah absolutely right i was away a little bit in december on a ski that i'm not allowed to talk about and then uh yeah so that the trip in la Clusa in france 10 days testing the product for winter 24 25 which we will obviously talk about in future episodes but that's exciting excellent okay well we talked about snow uh, a little bit i'm excited as well i'm going out to ladies alp uh, not this weekend but next weekend i'm not entirely sure if i'll be able to get any skiing in as i'm going there for a running event but i will endeavor to do so but there has been plenty of snow chris alluded to uh, new snow coming in and we do have a few snow reports this week we have tim hudson from inspired italy reporting from the italian dolomites simon burgess from flen and jen sang 
from La Plan. Buonasera from the Italian Dolomite and very specifically from Rifugio Lagazzoi at 2,752 metres. And standing outside on the terrace, it's around about minus 11, I think, at this moment in time. The views are spectacular from here. If you've any idea or knowledge about the Hidden Valley and Lagazzoi, you'll know what I'm talking about. I've got the mountain of Tofana off to my left-hand side, which towers above Cortina d'Ampezzo which is where we skied today and uh, I can tell you that skiing conditions are absolutely spectacular I have been skiing here every season all season for something like 18 seasons now and I can't remember it being so good. The snow that arrived Friday, Saturday and early Sunday morning has left really spectacular conditions. We received something between 30 and 50 centimetres of snow right across the Dolomites. And the fact of the matter is that it's groomed every single night. That's 1,220 kilometres of slopes. Every single centimetre is groomed every single night. So if you're a carving type uh, skier, then... Uh, believe you me, now is the time to jump on an aeroplane and come and ski in the Dolomites. My name is Tim Hudson from Inspired Italy, reporting from the Dolomites Super Ski Area in Italy. Ciao, ciao. Hi, Ian. It's Simon here, and I'm currently stood in Lake Aro overlooking a beautiful inversion. This resort is stunning with its tree-lined piece, and today it is delivering bluebird skies. Over the last few days, it has been absolutely dumping here in the Grand Massive with consistent snowfall across all of the resorts. Yes, let's be fair, the lower parts of Marion at 700 are still not skiable, um, and the Verklon Gondola over in Samoa is still not reachable by piste either. However, above the 1,100-metre mark, conditions are absolutely fantastic. There has been consistent powder days over the last week, and it has been a fantastic time to be skiing here. Unfortunately, there is no fresh snow scheduled for the next few days in the Grand Massive, so it's a case of enjoying the views and the bluebird skies. But for now... I hope everyone has a great time on the slopes. Hi, this is Jen from That's La Plan coming to you from the slopes in La Plan. And I thought I would film this snow report for Ian and the ski podcast from the slopes to get some of the atmosphere of the mountain in the ears for you people who haven't managed to get on your skis yet this year. So I am heading back down into Plan Centre uh, on the Bergerie run. And you might actually be able to hear the Apro ski just starting at the Bergerie as we ski past it and um, I must tell you the snow is absolutely fantastic so we've had a lot of snow over the festive period we've had some huge jumps of snow and then we've had some lighter snowfall the off-piste is looking pretty fantastic around the resort at the moment the Avalanche is just at five but it is quite overcast at the moment in resort so if anyone is heading off-piste it's definitely with a guide or someone who knows the area very very well and with a good crew of people who you know you can ski safely with. On the pistes, I don't know if you can hear it under my feet, but it's very hard packed. It's really, really nice on the piste. It's really well groomed every day and it's staying in great condition, especially because all the kids have gone back to school now. <laughs> Yay! So the pistes are a lot quieter than they were over Christmas and New Year. And I think I'm quite right in saying that New Year's week and Christmas 
were a couple of the busiest weeks I've seen for years in the plan. It really, really was very, very busy. And I think it was because we had such heavy snowfall through November and into December. And we had lots of lots of last minute bookings. So the temperature, it has been about minus 10 for the start of this week. It has been really cold. Um, today I'm skiing, it's about minus five. Uh, the sun is supposed to be coming out for the end of this week and into next week and possibly a bit of a snow shower on the forecast for next week but i will say i haven't been checking the forecast more than a couple of days ahead because the weather's just been so changeable that i've not really trusted what the forecast has been telling us until 24 hours to 48 hours out and then the last thing was the webcams have been my absolute best friend as well because it is quite overcast and cloudy here at the moment and so before i headed out Today I jumped on the resort webcams and checked where the sun was and then headed there. So we went up to the top of Grand Rochette, down into Belcourt um, and just stayed in the higher areas. Whereas down in Montchavin, Lacoche, Montalbert, it looked not just cloudy but kind of foggy and misty. So the webcams are really great at the moment for picking the best spots around the ski resorts and getting out and enjoying the skiing there. Um, if you're in La Plan this winter, uh, look me up. It's That's La Plan and I'll see you on the slopes hopefully. But otherwise, happy 2024. The last time I was out on snow, I was out in uh, Les Arcs and La Plan just before Christmas. And I did use my car while I was out there. And I mentioned uh, maybe at the time that I was trying to see where I could get to on the leaderboard. And I'm delighted to report it's been updated now. Uh, my 144 ski IQ has got me to seventh place on the La Plan uh, leaderboard. Um, not quite as impressive. I'm now currently 1170th uh, in the world for this season. So I'll have to try and uh, get a few more to uh, to update that. Moving on to news, uh, have a look at the uh, podcast website and Facebook page just now. We've got a competition to win a few bits and pieces from the Three Valleys, our previous sponsor before uh, Intersport. All you have to do is leave a, a review for us or a comment on there. Uh, there's lots of goodies to be won, so uh, have a quick look at that. Um, I wanted to uh, discuss something that I saw in the news in the last week. Uh, don't know if any of our panelists uh, know about this, but um, I recently read this article about an electric snowboard. Now, Chris, you're a snowboarder. I think the rest of us are probably uh, skiers. Have you ever come across this device? Is it just a load of rubbish or could this possibly be the future of snowboarding? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Um, listen, these things have been out since the 90s. Uh, there's been a, a load of them. There's been, you know, those big fans that they use for the parapunts. People have gone up mountains with those on their back. People have used those caterpillar tracks, which is similar to the one that you sent me. Um, and they've, been, they've tried kite kiteboarding. The, the problem is, is that everything that you take up, you've got to then snowboard back down with. And, uh, and so you're adding, you know, if, if it weighs a kilo, you won't notice it. If it weighs 15 kilos forget it it's not not going to be in any way fun and most of them weigh about 15 kilos because you know it's 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 tough to push a human uphill um that's why lifts work really well you know chairlifts cable cars <laughs> yeah exactly things. and like why would why would you do that when you can go uh split boarding or ski touring uh well this is it if you're really going to do well. it yeah, just just get the backcountry equipment. I mean, so that still isn't answered. I mean, split boards generally are the best thing, but you've got approach skis or snowshoes. And, you know, so as I say, I'm going to Japan. Generally, we snowshoe. It works best. Um, Al, you are our equipment expert and you're in slider at the moment. Have you ever come across an electric snowboard? Well, I, I know exactly the board that you're on about. 
exactly as Chris says, these things have been around for a while, whether they're using regular traditional fuels, as you might think of it, whether they've got cat tracks or electric. I mean, that board itself, it actually goes through the board. So you can't just ride it like a normal board. It is quite heavy. Yes, I think it would be exciting. You know, some people just get that electric assist when they're cycling. I mean, that's a big thing. And that's quite different to what we're talking about here. But that's two and a half thousand dollars that snowboard and you won't be able to ride it like a regular snowboard however i saw my first ever split monoboard yesterday and that's the solution <laughs> <laughs> split monoboarding right well monoboarding is always threatening to uh, come back there's certainly all of the uh, fluorescent onesies to go uh, with them but uh, is that something that you've seen so do you want to just explain kind of where you are now what slide is we mentioned the uh, name what the purpose of it is yes yeah, so there's an organization in the uk sigb snow sports industries of great britain and together um there's the uh a, there's an outdoor mountain sport if you want trade body so it's slide ots trade show it's in telford it runs every january for four day uh, three days the day setup um and we're looking at all the subsequent seasons so we're currently looking at 24 25 season products so all Clothing brands, helmets, goggles, accessories, uh, climbing kit, fell running, all sorts of outdoor product, but a lot of snow sports, skis, boots, and that's what I am here to look at. Right, okay. And we're talking about just the UK industry, because there's also an event called ISPO as well, isn't there? Yeah, so ISPO happened a bit earlier. The ISPO used to be huge. It's out in Munich, and it used to be really a, a massive event. Um, but that's contracted somewhat. It's just got a lot smaller, uh, less hardware brands from snow sports go from the UK because they can do what they need to do here. Um, obviously, there is a big cost to going out to. I mean, it's great if you're based out in Europe for the UK. This slide trade show has got bigger and bigger every year. We get more attendees. There's more product on show. It's just such a unique event and amazing to be able to see all the product under one roof. Oh, well, anyone who's listened to the equipment specials that we've done will know that you know absolutely everything. And I guess it's by attending these events and talking to people and obviously trying, uh, you know, everything as well. But are there any insights or trends that you spotted for next year's equipment that's that's coming through? So one thing when people and we're not just going to talk about the episodes we've done recently, even though they've been really exciting to do. One of the themes has been sustainability that is continuing its momentum in hardware where it's been quite hard to see these changes but we've seen so many changes now it's for me it's just so exciting that we can see this change in product and the innovation that they're bringing in that space and how they're coming up with solutions so we are getting enhanced performance again better product the prices aren't going crazy which is fantastic um some brilliant solutions with boots we're seeing boa on more brands boa that dial and cable closure system which we've spoken about on a few episodes is across more brands it's really exciting to see what's coming next year obviously there's normal fashion driven color changes but across clothing in particular it's amazing to see what's happening with recycling with repurposing and with a more sustainable production right okay i mean we have addressed sustainability in each of those episodes the episodes about we've looked at skis snowboards helmets and goggles and ski jackets uh, so far 
And it's been a big part of that story for all of those things. And when you're talking about hardware, do you just want to clarify what you mean by that? Yeah, so we'll talk, we tend to talk about soft goods and hard goods or hardware and software. So hard goods will be your ski, snowboard, snowboard boots, bindings, can include goggles and helmets. And then soft goods is generally everything else, including accessories, whatever that may be, but definitely clothing, base layers, socks, mid layers, outer all that and actually interesting question that came through to me via one of our social channels earlier this week we did the episode about helmets and goggles recently and you pointed out that my 15 year old helmet probably needed to be uh, replaced because it's uh, you know degraded over time yeah. the message was actually from a listener who's in a similar position and their question was how would you or is it even possible to recycle your current helmet can you do anything with that if it's a really old helmet, it's very, very hard to do. And a lot of that comes down to things are bonded together. A lot of soft, a lot of um, this in-mold technology where that polycarbonate outer is bonded to the inside. And actually the EPS liner is just very hard to recycle. It's amazing how many more helmets I've seen at the show that have a fully recycled EPS liner, that, that protective layer, that shock absorbing layer. And what they're using in there, they're putting natural materials in there to help it break down quicker. It's astounding how quickly we've seen this change come about, specifically here where we're talking about helmets. Yeah, when we were talking about helmets, you were talking about, I think, cork being used yes. as part of that EPS layer. And that's that's a trend that's continuing, is it? Yeah, helping, uh, it just helps it break down much faster. But we're seeing, you know, a lot more bio-based materials being used. It's amazing how quickly this change has come about. Yeah, and, uh, you know, in the ski episode, you mentioned the most sustainable ski you'd ever seen, which I think was the Rosinol Essential Ski. Is there a development on that? So the Rosy Essential, absolutely right, you're bang on. That will uh, remain exactly as it is for next year. But across the brands, not just in Rosinol, but in all brands, we are seeing that story or elements of that coming to the fore and not just in the touring space where you might imagine it but on 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 piece on all mountain across all categories it's really exciting oh well that's really interesting um you know thank you so much for sharing all of that uh, with you i don't know if you've seen this we had another piece of feedback i think it was on facebook from dave mills who said a great item on the ski jackets uh, with ian and regular contributor al he goes on to say giving a resounding performance as a geordie version of stanley tucci yeah, that made me smile. I do have a bit more hair than that, thankfully. Um, but I'm a Stanley Tucci fan. That's fine. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's brilliant. Um, I know you're going out to La Clusa for the ski test uh, next week. Um, I think we, you know, we're hoping that maybe you might be able to give us a report uh, kind of effectively live uh, from the slopes uh, during that in the next podcast. So that would be amazing. Yeah, and actually ready. even yeah. just that breathing space of 10 days, I'll then be allowed to talk about some products, which I can't talk about today. Um, right. And I'll have been on them which makes it even more relevant. Okay, that's really exciting. Thanks so much, Al. This seems like a good point to remind you, listener, that you can save money this winter when you book your ski hire at insportrent.com and use the code ski podcast. You get a guaranteed discount for all ski hire in France, Austria, and Switzerland. And to make it even simpler, you don't even need to use that code. You can just take the link in the show notes and your basket will automatically be reduced. So if you want to support the ski podcast, then do remember to book your ski hire with Insport. Uh, now, we have Chris with us today, who works for Intersport over in France and in the UK. And one of the reasons I wanted to ask you on was because one of the reasons I don't own skis 
is they can be a schlep to carry them. But ski carriage costs these days can be very expensive. And I wanted to kind of have a look at that in more detail and just establish whether or not that's just my perception or whether it's the truth. And I think that you've got a bit of data in respect to this. I mean, how much does it co- how much does ski carriage cost these days? Well, it obviously depends on the on the airline, but there's a few interesting things that kind of go on because ultimately they will get your dollar no matter what. You know, so Ryanair and EasyJet. Ryanair is Europe's biggest airline. EasyJet is a pretty close second. I think probably most people who are going to ski are going to use EasyJet, and the most common route is London Geneva. Now, EasyJet is probably everyone knows it's like the the, the cheapest airline. Um, but if you take a ski or a snowboard bag, you've got to pay both ways. And at the moment, it's £45 if you pre-book or it's 55 at the airport. But that's both ways. So, you know, there's a maximum there of 110 for a, a bag both ways or, you know, 90 if you're going to pre-book it. Whereas actually, if you rent the skis in resort, it's about that per person anyway. So essentially, you're getting skis uh, without all of the hassle of actually carrying them. And the thing is, is that there's a big advantage in in renting skis uh, because obviously if you get there and the conditions are different from what you expected, you can change the skis. So you could have carving skis if it's icy or you can take powder skis if it's if it's powdery. Yeah, that's definitely uh, the line of thinking. I mean, you know, I'll put my hand up and say like, I'm a journalist and I get my uh, ski hire uh, free when I go out. But for example, for the rest of my family or if I go with my wife, then we'll always hire. I don't see the point of us, you know, having skis. I think most people, you know, they're going to know unless they bought skis after they booked their flights. They're going to book it in advance, but it's £90 a return for the carriage. I I did have a look on Ryanair. It looks like it's about the same uh, over there as well. Mm. The benefit of being able to swap skis during the week is really important to me because I've often been in a situation, for example, where I've been away with a family where I just want to have a kind of all-mountain ski during the week, most of the time when I'm skiing with them, but I might go out for a day ski touring and just go into the shop and be able to swap that around and do that uh, without having to have more than one ski. Um, I've got another question for you, though. There are airlines like, you know, BA, Swiss Air. I'm pretty sure that those airlines include... A ski carriage within the luggage allowance yeah yeah well well th- this is the thing they do but as i said at the beginning you know they're, they're going to get the money from you somehow i i just pulled up the dates of the first to the 8th of february r- completely random dates um i didn't do it over the extreme uh you know obviously get the spikes where it's half term and easter now the easy jet price it's about 200 pounds return okay so then you're going to add the 100 for the bag so you're looking at 300 return and if you look at the Swiss Air or the BA, so Swiss Air, let's start with them. If you take the cheapest version, which I think at the moment, so I looked on, the, on that. So that's coming in, it's £201 return on those dates. So pretty much the same as the EasyJet, but you can only take eight kilograms and that's carry on. So there's no checks baggage. If you want to take the economy, the cheapest economy with skis, that's 24169 So it's actually cheaper to do on Swiss than it is on, on EasyJet on those dates. Um, it's a, it's the same deal if you do BA. So, you know, you can see, yes, they could advertise that it's free ski carriage, but it's free ski carriage at the premium economy level. Somewhere hidden in that charge is the ski baggage fee. 
Yeah, I mean, it was a loaded question, really, because I also looked at an example as well, okay. going out on the 3rd of February and back on the 10th of February. <laughs> and I looked at uh, EasyJet versus uh, BA. And you can, you know, it obviously depends what time flight you want to get. I kind of ruled out getting the the uh, 7 a.m. flight from Geneva because uh, I thought that was too early. But regardless, it was about 150 to 200 pounds for return with EasyJet. But if you wanted BA, and you uh, were paying for the 23 kilogram luggage allowance, it was 250 to 350 pounds. So 100 to 150 pounds more. So it kind of stacks in with your point about this ski carriage uh, being inclusive uh, within it. So kind of interesting. I wanted to establish what it was because I'm saying to people a lot of the time, well, you know, ski carriage means that it's not worth it and therefore you're better off uh, hiring. Katia, can I ask you a question? You you said you were out in uh, Vosgeny and, and Morzine. Did you fly? Did you take skis with you? So I flew to Vosgeny and then got the train across to Geneva and up to, um, to Morzine. I don't own skis, so I haven't owned skis since... I, don't, I think I was a kid and my parents bought cheap skis and would pass them between us all. No, I really, well, one, there's the, the sort of hassle of, of carting them around and we're a family of five. So to try and drive all of us down with skis and, and all the other gear would require a vehicle the size of which we don't have. Um, but really, I like I like being able to try new skis each time I'm, I'm in a resort, you know, and depending on the conditions and depending on the new skis that are out, I just think it's um, it's, it's good to be able to try what's on the market yeah for sure i mean since i've done these podcasts with al i've learned loads more about skis and i actually think i would probably recognize a few of them in the hire shop now normally i just go in there and say oh you know i like something all mountain or whatever and just take what they give me i'm not really too fussed um, you know they tend to be good enough but now i might think ah oh, i can see that that's on the uh, shelf there maybe i'd like to uh, have that chris that, that's great i'm actually going to move on to katia now if that's okay because you mentioned uh Morzine just then and you are at, out in Morzine with your family. Now you have a blog called Globe Totting. You are a family travel expert. And we've had a couple of questions recently from listeners, uh, Matt Gregory, also Scott Grogan, who both wanted to discuss or for us to discuss a little bit about skiing with children and kind of tips for those different ages. Have you been taking your children skiing since they were very young? Yeah, so look, I was really lucky and learned to ski young. My parents learned to ski when they were married and sort of fell in love with the sport and so made sure that that myself and brother and sister got to ski from a really young age. And it's something I absolutely love. So I've got my kids skiing from a really young age as well. And doubly lucky because my folks found a place just outside of Morazine about 15 years ago. And so I've been taking my kids there because then I don't have to pay for accommodation. So it um, <laughs> helps a lot. That definitely makes sense. You know, I, I mean, possibly one of the reasons we're working in the ski industry just now is I was also very lucky. My mum and dad skied, you know, back in the 60s when not so many people were doing it. And they took me out when I was very young. So I got it into the blood quite early on. But I've also taken my kids skiing. I've got a 17 year old twins now. But when they were much younger, we took them out to the Alps and we did take them when they were trying to remember the exact age now but whatever it was they were b below five and it felt like it was too early really I wondered if you had a view on that so look we all my kids started I think from the age that you can go into a pew pew which the is the ESF um kind of crash and lessons so that's from they take them from the age of three and then I think you start 
lessons from the age of four. Is it too young? Possibly, but it did mean that they could go to crash and get familiar with having skis on and what it's like to be on the slopes and we could get some time on skis. So selfishly, um, you know, that worked for us. But at the same time, they're so small at that point that, you know, very low center of gravity, doesn't hurt if they fall. They get used to, you know, walking in ski boots and and just that uh, sensation of um, of being on skis. So I, I think the younger, the better, really. So what would you say the youngest is that kids can actually put a pair of boots and skis on? I'd say three or four. Yeah, and Pew Pew that you mentioned, that's the kind of the, the almost crash service run by the ESF in, in different French resorts. I'm sure there are equivalents in all the other countries as well. I think there's there's a few tour operators that will uh, look after your kids in the when they're infants, let's say, naught to two in the chalet, you know, when you can go off uh, skiing and, and, and still enjoy a skiing holiday. But my experience of when they were younger was, you know, possibly my kids <laughs> we ended up having to come back to the chalet early to look after them because didn't really like the child carers or they were throwing a wobbly or whatever it was and it interrupted our skiing and it was only when we uh, took them when they were a little bit older and they were able to do what i might call proper you know core collective group lessons that actually it seemed to to work quite well and they were actually whiskey school from you know nine until 12 on a on a lesson and we were able to off and do some proper skiing and then we could ski together in the afternoon that was a kind of period that I I really enjoyed then absolutely I mean look skiing is a faffy sport regardless you know the the gear the boots the skis the carrying of things the layers and when you add small children into the mix I mean it can be a disaster you know there's there's too many layers (laughs) on everybody's really hot everybody's making a fuss they get outside they're too cold they don't want to wear gloves I mean it really on paper doesn't work and, and in reality sometimes it doesn't as well but when you can get all those elements clicking then I mean it's the best best family holiday you could ever possibly have yeah well I would definitely agree with that that it is the best family holiday you can have I mean you mentioned or you kind of alluded to sometimes you can have you know, meltdowns uh, there have you got any tips for parents dealing with you know young children with their first experiences on the snow how to make it go more smoothly I mean I think for I think it's parenting in general um, patience uh, and <laughs> patience and some you know kind supportive strong words um, obviously snacks um, treats hot chocolate <laughs> with mountains of uh, of whipped cream and marshmallows tend to uh, make even the the, uh, the the crossest of children happier so uh yeah i was like you know chocolate and sweets um can appease most situations yeah exactly we went to la rosia for our first few uh, family holidays and uh, we, you can ski up to without having to go over to la Twille on the italian side you can ski up to the uh, colder colder putti san bernard and get an Italian hot chocolate up there. And that hot chocolate is so thick, you can almost stand the spoon in it. And that's a good way to uh, to get kids to appreciate how good, how good skiing can be when they get the additional benefits from it. I also mentioned that we took kids to, you know, to morning ski school. We experimented with that to start off with, but actually we transitioned to the afternoon because we found that just in general, during the regular uh, term, 
every morning you're trying to get your kids ready and out the door and to the school gate in time for school. And to replicate that again when you're on skiing holiday with having to deal with all the boots and the skis, etc. as well, we decided that we didn't really want to do that. And instead, we did that skiing together as a family in the morning and then they do lessons in the afternoon. So we didn't have that deadline and we could take it easier. And you know, as they kind of got a bit older, that became more relevant as well. Did you have a, a thought on that? We So we always did morning ski lessons. I should say my kids now are 16, 14 and nearly nine. So, yeah, I don't know why. We we just figured we'd just get up and out the door. So we, we stuck them in morning ski school and then we'd meet them for lunch and uh, and ski together in the afternoon. And it sort of worked for us. We just sort of got into the rhythm of doing that. Um, and actually this Christmas the five of us all skied together and we didn't put anybody in ski school we didn't know what the conditions were going to be like and we thought well if if the weather's not going to be great and to be fair sort of down in Moisin village in Leger it was rainy so uh, we we just went over to Avoriaz and stayed high and by not committing us to ski school we could um, kind of find the best snow and, and stick together and they're all at a, a, a good enough standard now that we can um, you know, have a lot of fun, but uh, I think it would be good for them to go back and, and do a little bit more. Yeah, well, that's interesting that you refer to that. I mean, again, my kids are similar age 17 uh, now. They stopped doing um, group lessons a few years ago, but I still make them, I guess, <laughs> do a private lesson every year, which is kind of effective way of just trying to push them up from that plateau that they've kind of reached and and get a little bit higher uh chris i know you've spent time skiing and snowboarding with uh, kids as well have you got any tips that you'd like to add to this <laughs> yeah i mean my son yeah he's, he's 14 now and we've been doing i've been taking him out since he was 18 months old um i mean i suppose the main thing well i always took him to places that had loads uh, of other things going on so water parks was we've done a massive tour of all the water parks of the ski resorts in the alps which has been really fun so i think when he was younger i would imagine that he saw a ski holiday as the skiing is just like a tiny part of it because you know we built snowmen with the hot chocolate thing the only thing i would say is he learned to ski and what he, i imagine in his mind it was was a, a sweet finding mission because we used to kind of put sweets on the piece then he had to traverse to get them and he got pretty good at traversing pretty quick so i imagine in his mind it was like some sort of uh yeah like treasure trail before he knew what was going on and then uh, by the time he was four he was just zipping around everywhere it was great excellent i like that tip i've not heard that one before i mean you know putting gloves on string you know going through the jackets uh, is is one that's useful for avoiding uh, that lost side of things i think you said katia being patient you know having a sense of humor uh, about it is important as well easter easter is the time to take kids out don't take them any other time especially young kids easter go as late as you can it'd be cheaper it'd be more comfortable Nothing will fog up. Nothing will freeze. You mentioned the cost. Obviously, you know, a challenge with taking a family away is that, you know, typically you have to do it during the school holidays. I mean, I've taken my kids away during turn time before and been fined for it. But normally you're limited to the school holidays and that does add to the cost. Uh, Katia, have you got any tips for helping families get a holiday away on a budget well so i mean as chris mentioned it's sort of not going in those peak weeks so new year february half term the prices at february half term are just insane um going as late as possible in the season 
obviously if your children are still young enough like to preschool age uh then go anytime you can that's the best time to get them on skis there's nobody on the slopes and you know lessons are cheaper as well and, and often longer especially if you're with the um esf in france the main point is sort of not going when everybody else is you know there's other incentives so not flying we drive um if you can get the train i know morzine are working with a community group called montagne Verde. so if you take the train you can get discounts on lift passes accommodation restaurant so that's definitely something to look into um, and you can hire ski gear rather than um, buying it. So, you know, there's great companies like EcoSki where you can hire really good ski kits, um, especially for kids, you know, that grow out of it from one ski season to the next. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, renting or borrowing, swapping clothing between families is, is invaluable when the kids are, are younger. Uh, you mentioned uh, that half term is ridiculously expensive. I've taken our family skiing at February half term on three occasions. Once was post-COVID where I was desperate to take them on a holiday and that was just the only way we could do it. We went to Cromontana in Switzerland and it was very expensive, but I still loved it. I considered it value overall. But we've also taken a couple of uh, better value uh, trips to the Pyrenees. Now, I've written an article about this before. It's a, a really good option if you want to be able to go away at February half term. You get flights down to Toulouse, which tend to be way less uh, than Geneva. And uh, the Pyrenees, just in general, the French resorts, we stayed in uh, Cauteray, also skied in Grand Tourmalet, uh, better value. And then last year, listeners might remember, I went to uh, Roccarazzo. We flew into Naples. Uh, it's a you know decent sized area, around uh, 100 kilometres in total, and uh, very underpopulated by uh, the British. And overall, much more affordable way of uh, doing things. And um, what about yourself, Chris? Have you got any tips for keeping on top of the budget uh, for a family ski trip? Yeah, just as, as I said, go as late as possible. I mean, Easter if you're hamstrung by the holidays, go out of the holidays if you if you dare and you can, especially if you've got yeah, preschool kids. Um, and I just think that the, the the end of the season is amazing. I mean, often people think that there's not going to be snow, but the thing with snow is it, it piles up, you know? So that end of the season is <laughs> when there's the most snow, um, it starts to kind of, you know, melt by the end of April. It's not, you might even get powder snow in April. It's very, very common. And of course, just go as high as possible. If I had my intersport hat on, I would say if you go to Austria, it's free skis for kids as well right okay well there you go that's a that's a good tip so hopefully matt scott and anyone else who's got a family who's thinking about taking your kids away skiing that is uh, helpful i'll put a link to katia's blog in the show notes uh, as well right we're just going to move towards the close now we have had so much feedback in about the podcast i'm having trouble fitting in all of your comments uh, I'll put a few of them into the next episode. But just now, Dave Mills said, absolutely love the ski podcast. Can't wait to put some of these ideas into action. We had a review on Apple, Garn Bet. Uh, I enjoy the ski podcast. I feel I come away from every episode learning something about the snow sports industry. Any keen snow lover should take a listen. Liana on Apple Podcast said, always look forward to the newest episode. Uh, as a new listener, I'm enjoying venturing through the back catalogue. It's a fantastic listen with invaluable insights into resorts, latest kit, guest speakers. Uh, I really value the tra ski train episode and the feature at the Birmingham Snow Show. It's helped me debunk the unknowns about taking the train to the Alps. And we're excited to book the train to Teen in January. 
that, Liana, is really good to hear. I'm very excited about that. And I like the idea that we're able to help uh, influence people's decisions there. Adam, who's in Mexico, apparently, says great info. Um, and I'd like to thank everyone who's been very kind enough to buy me a coffee on buymeacoffee.com forward slash ski podcast. Paul Bond said, uh, as ever, Ian, great content. <coughs> really loving the snow reports coming in. Matt Gregory said, thank you, Ian, all your contributors for such entertaining, educational, thrilling podcast." I started listening in 2021 season as I watched our annual ski trip disappear in lockdown and I haven't missed an episode since. John Herbert, got to say, he bought me 25 coffees, which is <laughs> unbelievable. Imagine if I had them all at the same time, I'd be, I'd be completely uh, caffeined uh, up. Anyway, he says, loving the podcast, specifically the variety, and thank you very much to you, John. Now, if you like the podcast, there are three things you can do to help. You can review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps listeners find us. You can subscribe so you never miss uh, an episode. And you can book your ski hire with InSport Rent using the code Ski Podcast or taking the link in the show notes. There are now 201 episodes to catch up with and 176 were listened to in the last week. 59% of you listeners are in the UK, 18% in the States, and the other 24% are all over the world, including places as diverse as Taiwan, Tanzania, Iraq, and Uruguay. So wherever you are right now listening to this podcast, thank you for giving us your time. You can follow me at Skipedia and the podcast at the Ski Podcast. For now, I'd like to thank InSport for sponsoring the show and thank my guest today, Katya. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, Chris. Yeah, thanks, Ian. And Al, thanks for joining us. Ian, thanks so much. And finally, listener, thank you for joining us. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>